can I, can I start in a, a, I would call it a different vein, but I really don't think it is, but it's, we'll just say it's not in my sermon notes. One of the things you talked about, Pastor Alex, was, was how we have such a hard time moving past our mistakes because the enemy is constantly bringing them back up. He's called the accuser of the brethren for a reason. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to give you, I want to give you a weapon. I want to give you something to fight with that the Lord encouraged me with. The devil likes talking about the past, yeah? <laughs> Just encourage him to go back a little bit further. I promise you he doesn't like talking about the past entirely. So you can say, we can say, hey, 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 let's go back a little bit further. No, 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 keep going back a little bit further. Just a little bit further. Remember that cross? You remember that blood? You remember that sacrifice? You remember when you were defeated? You remember when you were humiliated? You remember when you were made powerless? Do you remember when I was, I was declared valuable to the point of God Almighty pouring out his blood for me? Do you remember that day in the past? Let's talk about that past moment. And he'll shut up. Yes? You received that? Let's use that. Let's walk in that. That's real. That's practical. That will shut hell down. And you can smile and you can have fun doing it. There's that. You ready for the message? We're going to talk about holiness today. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us, God. Give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. You say without holiness, no one sees the Lord. And you don't lie. So God, empower us to holiness this morning so we can see you face to face, but also so we can see you, Father, day by day. I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. So where I want to start this morning is right here. The reason without holiness no one sees the Lord is because if you don't love holiness and I don't love holiness, we don't love God. Yeah, oh, right. At least you eased into the message, right? If we don't love holiness, we don't love God. And so without holiness, not only do you not see him, you don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. We think we want to see him, but we really don't. Why? Because he's holy. It's who he is. And, and so out of the gate, the Lord wants to break down this idea that holiness is something negative. Holiness is something stupid or ridiculous or unrelatable to or stiff or rigid or religious. God is none of those things. And yet he is holy. And so the question to start off with this morning is this. Is there anything God is you're not interested in being? I got you guys thinking this morning. It's good. I've been doing it for a week. Is there, is there anything God the Father is that you're shut down to and that you honestly don't want to be and I don't want to be because he is holy? That's why without holiness, an embrace of holiness and a love for holiness, that's why no one sees the Lord. 
Good start? Yeah, I agree. It's going to get better. So there's, 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 there's several definitions that, that you can kind of pull out of Scripture for holiness, and, 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 and several of them don't really clear it up. So I'm going to try to break it down because, as always, if we don't understand, we're really not moving far. And so there's the idea of consecration or being set apart, being, being different, you know, than, than what's around you or set apart for God's purposes. That, that is all there. But, you know, kind of the, the crux of the message, the scripture I want to hinge on this morning is, 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 is in 1 Peter where the Lord says, where the Lord says, be holy for I am holy. Give you guys that scripture in just a minute. First Peter 1.15. Be holy as he who called you is holy. Be holy. And so I really want to define it this way. It's God's way of thinking and God's way of doing. Is that good? Is that simple enough? Holiness is God's way of thinking and God's way of doing. That's why it says he's holy. Can I, can I separate you from your way of thinking and your way of doing? Come on, talk to me. I'm not talking to myself up here. Can I separate Michael Wallace from his way of thinking and his way of doing? That is Michael. That is God. He is holy. His way of thinking, his way of doing. Part of the reason we get so tripped up on holiness is because we think that it's something God does instead of something that he is. And so we create separation there and we feel okay with distancing ourselves from that idea of holiness. But when we just go, Lord, this is who you are and to distance myself from this is to distance myself from you. Then it, it clears things up. Okay? You guys with me? All right, look at Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It's gonna be up here for you. <laughs> We're gonna read it. Think, think his, his way of thinking and his way of doing. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. <clears throat> for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Most of the time we stop there on that scripture and we think the ways of God are unapproachable. What I love about the scripture is if you'll put up six and seven, I think it is, it'll give us context for going into that. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. For my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's an invitation. And so we have to see it that way. Let the, let the wicked man forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man or woman forsake their thoughts and come up to my ways, which are higher than yours. And so the Lord invites us in to holiness, his way of thinking, his way of doing, which is higher than our own. You know, one of the things in talking with men in my life who mean much to me this week was brought out is holiness isn't optional. It's not optional. And I think I've, I think I've kind of already spoken to that and established that because to, to know holiness is to know God and to love his way of thinking and to love his way of doing is to, is to love him. It's also the only way to love his people, right? Your heart's not set on holiness. You might be thinking you love people. You don't. You're not. I'm not, right? And I can be as emotional 
or as care pastoring or whatever you want to call me. If my heart is not set on God's way of thinking and God's way of doing and, and speaking God's words and God's truth into your life, I am not loving you well. Because you can't separate holiness and the perfect law of love. They're the same thing. God is holy. God is love. You guys with me? So this is not what super Christians do. <laughs> it's what Christians do. It's what Christ followers do. It's what real disciples of Jesus do because they actually believe this is who God is. It's also the only way to represent God Almighty in the earth. There is no other way. There is no way, there is no other way to usher in the kingdom of God to earth if we're living contrary to kingdom thinking and kingdom doing. You guys see that? Did you get it? So it's the key to knowing him, it's the key to loving his people, it's the key to ushering in his kingdom, and it's also the key to intimacy with the Father. So you guys will enjoy this story. <laughs> My wife and I were sitting and talking one day, and the, I can't remember if it was the, the day of or the day before, but I had been out and about, and I was running, and I got a haircut, and I got some, I got something to eat, or you know, decided to go chip and putt or whatever, and, 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 and didn't make that call to my wife and let her know that's what I was planning on doing. Oh, ooh, he's in trouble. And so we, you know, she, she was sharing with me, babe, <laughs> I knew you guys would enjoy this. Babe, when you do your own thing and, and, and don't even communicate it with me, you know, like I'm fine with you doing whatever. It's your day off. Just communicate. Because when you don't communicate, it makes me feel like you could care less about what's going on in this home and my plans and my preparations and dinner and what's going on with the kids, you know. Basically what she was communicating in so many words, show me the decency of, of communicating with me. And I, like you men, you know, my, my gut reaction was, woman? <laughs> you knew I was this way when you married me. You, you know I fly by the seat of my pants. Like, get off my toes. Let me have a day off. Here's the redeeming quality in that conversation. I actually managed to keep my mouth shut. Doesn't always happen, y'all. But this time, it did. And the father started talking to me. Because I was silent. And I was open. And I entertained the possibility of her being right. <clears throat> and he said, Brandon, she's inviting you into her value system. And you can, you can respond like an idiot and say, get over it. And she'll, it'll create distance because she'll, she'll shut that part down. She put herself out there and she was vulnerable and you crushed it. Yeah. And, and, and that will create distance. This is, this is relationship dynamics one-on-one, y'all. <clears throat> or you can actually... You can actually choose to value that and say, you know what? If this is important to you, even though it's not natural for me, I'm going to make it important to me because you're important to me. And he said, if you do that, it'll create intimacy. And then he said this, 
it works the exact same way with me. Part of the reason we get so tripped up on holiness is we, we think that God's on a power trip, right? We think that he's being some, some dictator and, and I told him what to do and they did it. Look at me, God. It's nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. When the father is saying, stop this, or the father is saying, do this. Open up your heart here. Let me in here. Surrender here. He's doing it because he's revealing his value system to you and me. And we resist, we create distance. When we surrender, we create closeness and intimacy. Yeah, it's good. It's great. Because it's truth. And it will set us free. If we'll, if we'll do it. So, so do, it for, do it for love. Do it for love. Let's say that together. Do it for love. Don't do it for religion. Don't do it to be stiff. Don't do it to look like something you're not. You know? Don't do it because I'm shouting at you to do it. Do it because you love God. There's a scripture in 1 John that says, the commandments of God, they're not burdensome. I love that. Because when we actually make it about love, we cease striving and we cease hating following God. And our heart actually gets pure. And it's actually fun. Yeah? You guys receive that? All right. Good. Good, good. <clears throat> How many in the room, if I said Gnosticism, would you have any idea what I'm talking about? See your hands. All right. Dozen, dozen-ish. So, so Gnosticism, I'm not gonna go into, I'm not gonna go into too, too far detail on it because I don't wanna lose you. But basically, it developed first century, second century. And it was the idea that the physical world was created by an inferior God, not not the God, not God Almighty. So everything spirit and soul, everything in the, in the, in the spiritual world, so to speak, the non-material world, is holy and good. And everything in the physical world was evil. And so because there was no way to really redeem the physical world, why try? And so what you had was you had a group of people, by the way, this, is, this spirit is present today, incredibly. Because you had a group of people that thought, ah, the physical's evil anyway, so let's live it up, baby. Like, let's have fun. But as long as we have this knowledge, Gnostic means knowledge, and it's salvation by knowledge, as long as we have this knowledge of God and this belief system, we can be saved. Doesn't matter what we do. It's all evil anyway. The physical world is evil. Do you guys see that? Okay. So can you see how that is present today? Can you see how that line of thinking has seeped into your own mind. People stopped answering, Pastor Alex. I'll speak for me. I struggle here. It's hard for me not to elevate what I believe and what I know and put that in a higher place of value than what I do. So maybe I'm the only one in the room that struggles there. And if so, I'll preach to myself. But that is, is deeply rooted in Gnosticism. Right? 
If I asked you a question, which is more important, spirit, soul, or body? Who would say spirit? Who would say soul? Who would say body? Body got no hands. No hands? That would just go to show you that we put more value on the spiritual and the soulish realm than we do the physical realm. And the thing is, if we do that, y'all, we'll do that with holiness. And we'll make holiness more of something in our value system and more of something in, in our knowledge and our mind and less about what we actually do. Right? Now, we flow spirit, soul, and body. It's how God made us. It's how we flow. And so I'm not, I'm not bucking that, right? That's, <laughs> that's who we are. What, I'm, what I feel like the Lord wants to break down this morning is, is elevation of spirit elevation of soul and devaluing or humiliation of body. You with me? Stay with me, okay? So elevation of what we believe, elevation of what we know, and a humiliation of what we actually do. Because what we believe and what we know is more important, right? You're looking at me like I'm stupid, but I'm not. Because you're still thinking about what you know and not about what you do. But if you'll think about what you do, you'll realize I'm hearing Jesus right now. My my favorite thing about the Father is this. There's no separation in him, spirit, soul, and body. There's no division in him between what he believes, what he knows, what he says, and what he does. Call it the totality of holiness, if you will. See, for me, there's breakdowns between what I believe and what I know and what I say and what I actually do. But for the Father, it's the same all the way through. And there will never be a moment, there will never be a pause, there will never be a single instant where any of that breaks down in any part of his being forever. (laughs) And you got 1 Peter saying, Just as he who called you is holy, you be holy. In spirit, in soul, in body, in belief system, in knowledge, in word, in action. God doesn't value one over the other. They're all equal. And when they become equal in our value system, what we do will actually change. Golly, I'm preaching better than you guys are doing whatever you're doing out there. I'm preaching better than you're sitting. (laughs) Cheers. We want God, we want God to justify us based on what we believe. Not what we do. Raise your hand if you want, in this room, if you want God to justify you on what you do. That's why I'm preaching this message. We're so afraid of it. We're so afraid of it. We're so afraid of our works being a part of it. We're so afraid of our actions being a part of it. Because you go, Brandon, I mess up, and that puts me in hell, garbage. 
Your faith is broken. Your faith is broken. It's your faith. You're a part of it. It's not perfect. Jesus completes even your faith. <laughs> he completes even your knowledge. <laughs> he completes your response. He can complete your works. You don't have to say they're not a part of it, especially when scripture says just the opposite. James 2, 14 through 26, three times, three times says we're justified by our works. Abraham was justified by his works when he offered up Isaac. Rahab was justified by her works when she hid the spies and got them out of harm's way. And don't you know that a man is justified by his works and not his faith alone? It's a false gospel. It's Gnostic. It's an elevation of knowledge and a humiliation of action. And it is not holy. And I love you enough to tell you that. He says, don't you know that faith without works is like a body without breath? Your knowledge without action is a corpse. So how much value do you want to put in a corpse? Not much. Holiness. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me read something to you real quick. It's powerful. <clears throat> from, thank you, Robert, for giving me this. From Improving Your Serve, Chuck Swindle. Let's pretend you work for me. In fact, you're my executive assistant in a company that's growing rapidly. I'm the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay there until the new branch office gets established. I make all the arrangements to take my family and to move to Europe for six to eight months. I leave you in charge of the business stateside organization. I tell you that I will write regularly and give you instruction and direction. I leave you to stay. Months pass. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office. I'm stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist room, and she is doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to her favorite disco station. I look around and notice the wastebaskets are overflowing. The carpet hasn't been vacuumed for weeks. Nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I ask about your whereabouts and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I move in that direction and bump into you as you're finishing up a chess game with our sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a television room for watching afternoon soap operas. What in the world is going on, man? What do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh, yeah, sure. Got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we had letter study every Friday night since you left. You laugh. We have even divided all the personnel into small groups and discussed many of the things you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of your sentences and paragraphs. One or two memorized an entire letter or two. Great stuff in those letters. Okay, okay. You got my letters. You studied them, meditated on them, discussed and even memorized them. 
What did you do about them? Uh, do? We didn't do anything. It sounds rigid, but it's not. It's not. Bless you. Let me ask you a question. I love questions. Can't you guys tell? Let me ask you a question. How much would you... The other thing... Hang on. Let me back up just a minute. The other thing we really love to do, so we, we, we love to, we want God to see us through, through our plethora of knowledge that we have about him. Second thing we do is we want God to see us through what we say. I love you, Lord. I love you. You're everything to me. I'm yours forever. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Just see me through that and judge me through that, and not what I actually do with what I just said. Right? But here's the thing that's weird about us. We say things all the time we don't mean. <laughs> we might mean like half of what we say in a day. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Maybe you actually deliver more. I heard something sometime that said the three greatest lies in church are, I love you, I'm praying for you, I'll call you. Think about how many times you've been told that didn't happen. Think about how many times you said that didn't do it. I'm guilty. You be, you be religious over there. I'm guilty. Right? And so, so we, we know things, but we don't do them. We say things, but we don't do them. And we want to bring that separation, and God says there is no separation. Right? The... Hold yourself to the same standard you hold the Father to. Okay? So bear with me here. Like, dang, Brandon, you are rough this morning. I love you. If the Father stopped doing and executing perfectly, by the way, everything he promised, if his, if his belief system stayed exactly what it is, but he stopped executing it, how much would you value that belief system? If, if the father, all the knowledge that he had stayed intact, but he stopped executing it and doing it, how much would you value that knowledge? What if his every plan for you and his every desire for you and his every intent for you stayed intact, but he stopped doing it? How much would you value those intentions? Talk to me. How much would you value? Very little to nothing. That's holiness. That's holiness. Spirit, soul, body, belief, knowledge, words, actions. Equal accountability. This, this God knows my heart thing is garbage. 
me tell you what I mean. 1 Samuel 16, 7, throw that up for me. 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. <laughs> this is challenging, y'all. So glad to bring you into my struggle. <laughs> this is what we do. We do what we know we're not supposed to do. And then we go, but God knows my heart. He's not looking at my sin. He knows my heart. And my heart is righteousness. Really? God's not coming as long as we stay in that place. He will not visit that place. That is not who he is. That's not his nature. He doesn't have thoughts like that. The context of this passage is, is Samuel picking the king, and he's looking at Eliab, and Samuel's saying, this is the Lord's anointed, and, and the Lord's saying, Samuel, get your eyes off of the outside. God looks at the heart, and his heart is garbage. I've refused him. And so we have we flipped the tables on it and used it as a way to justify actions that don't line up with the character and nature of God and to say, God knows my heart. It's okay. He'll wink at that. No, he won't. God does know your heart. <laughs> it's wicked and sick and, and evil above anything. That's what Jeremiah says, right? And so it's shared. It's the same thing in Matthew chapter six. It's shared. The context of God knowing your heart is making the righteous thing that you're doing worthless because your heart's not in it. That's the context. Even though Eliab looked good on the outside, God knew his heart, which disqualified him. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you, when you, when you, when you give, don't be like the Pharisees. What do you have? You have righteousness on the outside, and you have God seeing the inside, which is greed and selfishness. And it makes the outside worthless. And so a, a, an unrighteous heart makes a righteous deed null. But a right heart, a wrong heart in a right deed is impossible. Did you guys hear what I said? We've got we've to stop resisting sleeping, acting like what is, is though it's not. Aren't you glad you came to church this Sunday? The Lord's going to hold you accountable for this. And me. And it's an invitation into his value system. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. But this God knows my heart thing was never meant to be a good, in, a sin justified by good intentions. There's no such thing. It was meant to take the legs out from underneath religion, which is something that looks right on the inside, but is dead on the inside. That's how God knows your heart. That's how God knows my heart. Not about to throw rocks at me, are you? Quiet, quiet, quiet. 
Jesus cares incredibly about what we do. It's everything to him. It's all there is. Because what we, what we do is actually what we believe. Right? I'll say it again. What we do is actually what we believe. The problem in the American church is we've convinced ourselves that we can believe one way and do another. Not possible. Not possible. What you do is what you believe. That's why in, that's why in James 2.19, Jesus says, you believe? Great. You do well. So do the demons. And they tremble. That's why demons could come up to Jesus all the time in Scripture and say, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Why have you come to torment me? There's no demon coming into relationship with Christ. There's no demon that's being redeemed. There's no demon that God's having mercy on. And yet they know Jesus is Lord. Interesting, isn't it? We have to get to a place as a church where we, where we stop thinking that there's value in just knowing that Jesus is Lord alone. There is no value in it. Sounds like heresy. It's not. It's the gospel. Read James. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey me. <laughs> you'll keep my commandments. <laughs> Why? Because there's no separation. No separation between him and his will and his way. Zero. They're the same thing. Jesus is the living word. Right? Jesus also says, I love these two. They're some of my favorites. Jesus also says in Luke 8, 19 through 21, Put that up there for me. I'm in the mood to read the screen today and not paper. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And he said, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. <laughs> there's, another, there's another scripture. I have, the, I have it over there, um, you know, but it's somewhere in Luke, I think. And and, and Jesus in a crowd of people, and, and a lady cries out, blessed is the womb that bore you, and blessed are the nurse that, or the breast that nursed you. And Jesus says, ah, even more blessed is the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. Can you see the heart of Christ here? Can you see what he cares about? Can you see where he puts his value? He puts his value in the very thing that we're terrified of, which is accountability to what we do. And if you don't want to go there with God, leave this church so the rest of us can. I love you. I just want everything the Spirit of God has for us. So, so get serious or, or get out. I'm not speaking to new believers. I'm not speaking to guests or visitors. I'm speaking to those who have had years and room and room and grace and continue to dig in. There's a story in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And I'm not going to go there for time's sake. I'm going to touch two things and we're done. But in this story, I love it because the Lord says, this is, this is, the, this is the foundation. And, and guess what? It's not faith in Jesus. It's hearing the word of God and doing it. That's the foundation. 
That's the wise builder. The one who hears the word of God and does it. The one who hears the word of God and does it do it? They're a fool. They're a fool. We're not fooling God. <laughs> he sees right through us. It's the essence of holiness, which is transparency. We have to divorce the separation that we bought into. There is no separation. This is what the father told me as I was preparing this. <laughs> I want you to prioritize the doing of righteousness in your life as much as you want me to prioritize the doing of righteousness in my own. Sounded like this, Brandon. Prioritize the doing of righteousness in your life as you want me to prioritize it in mine. That's holiness. <laughs> you know, as I close, one of the one of the places you go, you go, what does it look like? <laughs> what does it look like? Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. Buns and long dresses. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm with you. We mess it up. We mess it up because we go, it has to look the same for every person. No, not at all. Not even close. Let me tell you how much it has to look the same for every person. Surrender. Surrender. That's where the, that's where the similarity ends. Surrender to the character and nature and way of God. And from there, it looks like, what is God speaking to you about? And it's totally different than what he's speaking to me about. And so what does it look like? Respond. Say yes. Stop kicking against. Stop digging in your heels. You guys know that's what backsliding actually means. You dig in your heels and you refuse to move forward. Stop doing that. Say yes. Respond. This is what it looks like when the rich young ruler <laughs> came to Jesus. He said, Lord, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus said, keep the commandments. And he said, he said so we, we justify with, with what we believe, we justify with what we know, we justify with our good intentions, and we justify right here. Lord, I've kept all these since I was, I was young. Look at all I've done. And Jesus says, one thing, one thing you lack, go sell it all and give it to God. But Lord, look at all this I've done right here. Come on, y'all. We have to get it. It has to become ours right here. It can't be the rich young ruler. It's gotta be, it's gotta be Alex. Do this right here. Yeah, Lord, but look at what I'm doing over here. And look at what I'm doing over here. And look at what I'm doing. I don't want to talk about that, God. Why do you have to pick the one thing? That's what it looks like. Jesus didn't want to talk about, not in that moment, all the things that he'd done right and all the things that he was doing right. He wanted to talk about the one thing that still owned his heart. And he's talking to you about the same thing. And he's talking to me about the same thing. This is what holiness looks like. <laughs> it looks like the woman at the well. A friend of mine shared this last night. It's gonna change my life. I can't wait to tell him about it. 
and looks like the woman at the well. And she says, I want living water. I want living water. Haven't we said that, Eastside Church? I want living water. And Jesus says, go get your husband. Go get your husband. I don't know if this lady had been left over and over again or if she'd experienced the death of the people in her life that she loved the most over and over again. Scripture doesn't tell us. What I do know is she was heartbroken to the point that she was not interested in making another marriage commitment. And Jesus goes straight to the heart. She says, I want living water. And he goes straight to the heart. And you know what she does? She runs. I'm not married. I don't have a husband. You're right. And he goes right back to the heart. And he says, you've had five, and the man you're living with right now, he's not your husband. And you know what she does? She responds with religion. We say that you should worship on this mountain. Okay, I can tell you're hearing from, from God from me. I perceive that you're a prophet. We say you should worship over here. But the Jews say you should worship over here. Jesus is trying to deal with the heart. And she wants to change the subject. And we do the same thing. Lord, I don't want to talk about that. Look at all I'm doing over here. What about this? Can we, can we talk about something that's actually important? Because what you're asking me about, God, is trivial. That's what holiness looks like. Respond right where you are to the voice of God and the heart of God and the love of God for you. Stand with me. I was walking on the beach with the Lord one time and he told me this. I said, Father, this is where I'm struggling. He said, Brandon, Will you do me a favor? Stop telling people that you're struggling in those areas. Just tell them this is where I'm continually choosing to disobey God. I hope you think it's as good when he tells you that. I thought it was kind of challenging. The beginning place, family, that I love is stop calling it your issue. Stop calling it your problem. Stop calling it this place that you know isn't good. Stop calling it this thing I know I need to get better at. Stop saying, I will, I will, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know, I know, and do it. Or, if you're not really struggling with it like I wasn't struggling with it, just call it what it is and say, this is sin and I'm good in it. That's what it looks like. Father, in the name of Jesus, hold out your hands with me. We gotta get out of here. They're coming in the parking lot. Father, in the name of Jesus, you tell me to be holy. And I'm not afraid to say yes. And I won't make it about my belief system and what I know and what I say more than I'll make it about what I do. Because you're the God who says, be holy in all your conduct. This is what the Father told me, church. I want you to cry out to me for your conduct. 
But what I realized is I couldn't get up here at the beginning of the service and say, let's cry out to God for our conduct because we don't care about our conduct. We gotta care about it and then we'll cry out for it. We gotta, we gotta understand that it matters and then we'll cry out to God for it. We gotta believe that God's actually good enough to change it and then we'll cry out for it. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for my family that you would set us free, God. And you would break chains and you would dismantle lies and your word would go forth, God, and do a work that produces fruit, spirit, soul, and body, belief, knowledge, and action. I thank you for the purity in this room right now, God. I pray that it wouldn't stay here. It would leave with us. Father, and I pray that, that where, we've, where we've been okay saying no for so long, we would say yes. You say today, it's the day of salvation. And for some, Father, that may look like coming to you for the first time. And for others, Father, it looks like family. It looks like addiction. It looks like the way we see ourselves. God, it looks like finances. It's all over. We know where you're speaking to us, God. And so I pray that holiness would abound in our heart today. And that we would begin saying yes to you because saying yes to you is the only thing that matters. I ask you to bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.